Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode 129 of the Beers and Bible podcast. Mm. My name is Anthony, and I'm happy to be here. And joining me is... I'm Michael, and I'm also glad to be here. It's going to be a good night tonight. In case you're wondering, we've already cracked open our beers because we're drinking Yingling again, so... Yeah, another another week we're not doing a new beer review, we're just... uh, giving a some pre-episode banter before we get into our discussion with Brian as we wrap up the uh the New Testament uh study walkthrough overview overview Flight. overview <laughs> yes that's a, that's a much Flight better over. word <laughs> walkthrough is what we're doing for the next year and a half that's um, right <laughs> so but yeah we're uh, just i don't know what we're doing so <laughs> The story of my life. I don't know what's going on. We don't know what we're doing, but I tell you what I've got tonight is I've got my beers and Bible uh, mug that mm-hmm. my friend Tyler and his wife Lauren made for us. Yes, and I don't know if you know this, but they will perfectly hold two cans, two twelve ounce cans, two twelve ounce cans. Yes, not two sixteen ounce cans. And so uh, I always like to pour two of them into the one, so I can be like, "Yes, I'm having one beer." It's it's this. I'm having this one beer. It's all I'm going to have. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing tonight. But last week, so last week we introed, we went through part of the New Testament and uh, had that discussion with Brian. And this week we're finishing that discussion with Brian. You're going to mm-hmm. get to hear the second part of that, uh, which is going to be good because it's going to set up where we're going next, which so next week we are going to be officially diving into Genesis. Yeah. We're going to be so, overviewing Genesis. So in the next seven days, uh, we would encourage you to read through Genesis mm-hmm. or at least skim through it. Um, that way you're somewhat familiar with what's going on. Uh, like Anthony said last week, we're not doing a verse by verse walkthrough or anything, but we're doing more of like a, like an overview, a 30,000 uh, foot view of a flyover, if you will, mm-hmm. of each book of the Bible. Uh, starting with Genesis, and uh, we're going to go in order as they are in our in the scriptures. So that's right. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be fun. I'm I am I don't think I've been this excited about a project that we've done yet, and we've done some pretty fun ones too. We've done some good stuff. It's definitely the probably the biggest project that we've taken on, which yeah. is a bold statement considering <laughs> we went through like concise theology by J.I. Packer. <laughs> we also did the book of Habakkuk. We did. When, so, when was the last time you heard a preacher preach from the book of Habakkuk? What's funny is after, so after we had finished that, we, we, it may have been like two weeks after we finished it um, in one of our, one of our church, uh, one of our Sundays um, at church. Sorry, I'm having a hard time talking. <laughs> Um, one of the sun, one Sunday at church, there it is Good night. <laughs> um, the message, like part of it was pulled from Habakkuk. Like he, he, he used, uh, some, a few verses from Habakkuk. I was like, there you go. There you go. Preacher. But, but did he quote the bears and Bible podcast in his sermon? Uh, no, but a lot, of, but a lot of what he said was like, oh, I, I I've already discussed this. So. <laughs> Like I know what he's talking about, and <laughs> it matches what we talked about. So good to know that uh, where we stand is in line with <laughs> with what he was preaching. So it's good to know your preacher's in line with us. That's what. <laughs> as long as we're in line with scripture, I don't really. That's exactly right. Which really is matter. where we strive to stay. We try to to stay in line with scripture because scripture is our authority. 
Um, we do affirm Sola Scriptura here at the Beers and Bible Podcast, in case you didn't know that. Um, and we don't want to be heretics. <laughs> don't be a heretic. <laughs> Read your Bible. Oh, man. So, so we're yeah. starting Genesis next week. It's going to be fun. Uh, diving all the way through books of the Bible one at a time. It's going to be fun. But we've we've definitely teased out this uh, beers and Bible big box bash bonanza of beers. Bring it on another B. I think we I think we should tell everybody what we're going to do for week one. What are what are our beers going to be for week one? All right. So um, remember, you guys decided. <laughs> yeah, this, this is y'all's fault for the record. You guys <laughs> voted. Uh, we pit, we pitted. Um, beers up against each other based on a uh, total number of sales like we talked last week. So the number one best-selling beer was up against the 16th best, so on and so forth. Um, and so we took the winners of the, the – we that was essentially the first round. Um, it was mm-hmm. like the play-in, the play-in bracket. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, this will be the first official round. So next week in the opening round of the Beers and Bible Big Box bash bonanza we really need to nail this down <laughs> that way we're no not way, man. Just, it's much more fun to just try to make it up as you go <laughs> i mean i don't disagree with you but at the same time uh anyway so first matchup uh next week in episode 130 will be uh the voodoo ranger ipa versus modelo mm. Mm. Now, Modelo, I believe, Mexican cerveza. I need to look it up because I am a. I want to say I reviewed Voodoo Ranger at one point. I reviewed a Voodoo something. Let you me, did. Uh, let me see here. I don't think no. it was the IPA. No, you reviewed Voodoo Ranger. Did I really? You did. I think. What is I'm I'm voodoo. That was a long time ago. That was back when we still used distorted voices. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you you I did the voodoo ranger. You did a different voodoo. Yes. You I do remember having a voodoo ten, one night. You did voodoo from, from Tin Roof. Um I reviewed Voodoo Ranger. We just have it backwards on the uh the sheet here. Oh, okay. I seem to remember doing Voodoo Ranger. Doesn't matter. So somebody has had Voodoo Ranger. Um, and then I don't think I've ever had Modelo. Modelo is a good is uh, I've had Modelo before and I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite Mexican beers. I'll say it that way. I don't know if I, I drink, drink enough Mexican beer to have a favorite. That and Dos Equis. Dos Equis Amber is actually my probably my actual favorite Mexican beer. Plus, I want to be the guy in the commercial, the Dos Equis commercials. Stay thirsty, my friends. (laughs) That's fair. So So that's what we're doing next week in the first episode of the um, Beers and Bible big box thing. Um, Big box thing. (laughs) It's going to get shorter and shorter each week. Is is this going to be like (laughs) B to the fourth? Like that's big box (laughs) something. I don't know. So um, what's after cute? Like you got squared, cubed, and then. I don't know what's after the fourth power. What I don't, you call I don't that. know what it's called. Um, <laughs> I'm so not what'll a math happen, major. Me neither. I'm not a biologist. Um, no. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> um, so what'll happen is Anthony and I will uh, drink each. Uh, we'll drink each beer. We'll try them. I don't know if we'll drink one whole one and then another whole one or just like try both. We haven't logistically worked that out yet. Um, you know, we'll probably drink two whole beers. We probably we record. will. <laughs> we'll probably need it to get through Genesis. Um, but in order to get like, and I, in order to get like a quick decision on who wins, mm-hmm. so that that's so that's not so drawn out. We'll probably drink some from one, drink some from the other, and make out our decision. Um, and then the winner moves on, and the loser is a loser. So that's your right. You're um, you're kicked out, buddy. This this is not double elimination. You're done. <laughs> so let's say this. What if so what if we tie? What if what if you pick one and I pick the op- opposite one? 
So if we are like staunchly like if, for example, next week, if for some reason one of us likes Voodoo Ranger IPA and doesn't like Modelo at all, um, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do. Um, no. So <laughs> we have a – I think we have a here's plan. I, we do have a plan, and here's our plan. We're working on it. No. Um, <laughs> so what will happen is if, if there's a tie, if we decide like we can't come to a decision – We'll put something out on our Instagram stories, Facebook stories, and y'all can decide. We need you to vote for us. Give us points. So, so we'll, in the event of a tie, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but just in case you're wondering why is there a, another one of these stupid beard <laughs> polls on Instagram, <laughs> that's where it's coming from. So um, like I said, it's probably going to, we're probably not going to need one in the first round here. No. Or, I I don't see that happening, but we'll see. I've I've had Modelo, and we all know how the beers and Bible feels about most IPAs. Yes. So I I went back and looked. I think I gave Voodoo Ranger four. Okay. So it's gonna have to beat four Luthers. Or my tastes have changed, and that four <laughs> Luthers from almost from two years ago, <laughs> or almost four three Luthers. years ago, is not four Luthers now. Which could happen. Yeah. There's a very you know, real possibility of that. So, um, changing it up a little bit, we are about three years from when we started talking about and planning. Yes, we are. The Beers and Bible podcast. In fact, like July 1st, I think will be right close to the, the mm-hmm. three-year anniversary. Yep. Happy three-year birthday, Beers and Bible podcast. Yeah. So, if you've been with us since day one, we... Uh, are thank sorry. you for yeah. We thank you and are sorry. <laughs> no, uh, we thank you. And um, if you have not been with us since day one, maybe you're maybe you lucked out. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, the one thing we're going to continue to do is have a good time. There's no doubt about that. That is true. So I've been sitting here know. talking. I haven't had much of my beer at all. You need to drink more. Mine doesn't look like I've had much, but I'm making. I up love for, these mugs. These are my favorite mugs for the record. It it is it's a, it's <laughs> it is my favorite mug I have in my house. Yes, and because th- this is going to sound bad, I have a beer sign with pictures of my family on it. <laughs> That's amazing, and the logo is still my favorite because the one with our logo is bigger. Yes, I have a uh, I have a Babylon B beer sign. That's probably mm. like my second favorite one, but it usually doesn't make it to the fridge. It just sits in the cupboard, and then I, I forgot go. about I forgot about that. I just one. say cupboard like I'm from Britain, <laughs> or from like the 1800s. <laughs> Get that from the cupboard. It's I like how you thing. started with the British accent <laughs> and then just abandoned it entirely. <laughs> it's because I'm terrible at British accents. <laughs> oh man, good times. So. Oh. oh, anyway, so intro over. We're going to get into episode 129 with Brian now. Um, finishing again, up the New Testament. Finishing up New Testament and uh, laying the foundation for where we're going for the next 66-ish episodes because mm-hmm. it'll be pretty much a an episode of book. There you go. book an episode. So enjoy the musical break. And we'll be right back. That is the hardest thing that we ever had to teach were letters, at least in context, like, uh, and we're, you know, reaching and teaching was going, working with people that don't have a high literacy level. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that they don't read very well. They also to comprehend a very complex flow of thought mm-hmm. that in, in Romans, for example, I mean, it extends over chapters and you just yeah. can't, you can't parachute <laughs> in. 
but to be able to connect those things, um, and uh, it, it's it was very difficult to teach. It was very difficult to, um, and what what people really when well, last time I was teaching in Honduras, I realized that people wanted um, tell us the verse that deals with this. They kind of wanted to deal topically. Mm-hmm. Just deal, give me the verse. Give me the silver bullet for the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, give me the right. give me the silver bullet for the Mormons. Give me the silver bullet for the prosperity cult down the street. Um, <laughs> And uh, they kind of think that way because, again, it's it is it gets complex. But that's different than how James writes. Mm-hmm. You know, James is it's more you see more of the uh, just a different mentality, and it reads a lot more like wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not this really long, complex uh, series of, of a single developed thought, you know, argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it you know, there is it, it, you still have to follow it. You still have to think on it. Um, but there are things like in Romans that you could pick out by itself, but it almost, I think the reason they make sense to us in like Romans, the reason it does make sense is because we do have some sense of context in the flow mm-hmm. of thought. Otherwise, I mean, in 623 for the ways of sin is death, but the uh, gift of God in Christ is eternal life through Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, our Lord. Um, and, uh, that can make sense. Romans eight is one where it gets, if you don't get the context and get the flow of yeah. thought, man, you get really lost by the time you get to Romans. It's almost like <laughs> you mess, you mess up with multiplication tables, then you get to geometry and you're doomed. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, forget about calculus. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's just, it's, it is cumulative letters like that. Corinthians. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it really is. Um, it kind of, it's like, it's almost like case, case law he's dealing with different yeah. cases and applying them in different ways uh romans is this grand sweeping flow of thoughts very mm-hmm. different than the other letters um galatians has one particular occasion that he's tackling but it has a lot of implications has a lot of you know uh, a background to it it's circumcision is the occasion right mm-hmm. whether or not to require circumcision to be a you know, complete christian judaizers um, right <laughs> and uh and so, but take that further and it's putting a stumbling block ahead of the gospel. It's yeah. saying, um, it's not being straightforward. And he takes as an example, uh, not circumcision, but of Peter standing aloof from the Gentiles, when right. James, the brothers from James come. And so there's another example of how, of not being straightforward about the gospel. You know, if we don't get this right, if we're living to please man, um, in fear of man, which is kind of an, is another issue, then we're going to use things like that. We're going to be afraid to speak mm-hmm. up and for the for the truth of the gospel. And and so uh, that's what's at stake. I mean, it's this historical occasion, but what's at stake is imagine if that was allowed. You know, in Acts, yeah. 15, Acts fifteen, they said, okay, you know, let's well, require circumcision, and a person will have to be a Christian. Then it's it then it it'll be you know, something else or something like into it, like church of Christ with baptism. Yeah. That's, that's Campbellites just came, came to mind because when you talk about circumcision, I mean, the, the church of Christ says you have to be baptized. I mean, even to the point yeah. where if somebody walks down and professes Christ in a service, they'll, they will shut the service down and go baptize that person right then and there before they leave the facility. Yeah. You know, that's how much they believe in that. And, and, you know, do I believe they're wrong? I do. You know, I think they've they've overinterpreted something like Galatians, you know, yeah. where of course, you know, they, they don't really go to the New Testament anyway. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, Acts two, Church of Christ, they come back to you know, Peter's sermon, what must we do? Be saved, yeah. repent, be baptized for the forgiveness mm-hmm. of your sins. And you know, something like that. Again, but you take that one and then I'll pay attention to the rest. That's the other thing that in all of this, I think we talked about this last time, Anthony, um, you got you know, Augustine's rule of the, uh, the, the rule of faith you know, mm-hmm. or the analogy of faith where scripture mm-hmm. interprets scripture. Um, then you got your, the rule of faith where theology kind of reigns us in. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Paul's understanding of it's Christ plus nothing mm-hmm. made very easy for him to identify circumcision. We can't add that to the gospel. That's right. You know, um, I didn't have a concluding thought. That was all right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So when we, so let's, let's get in a little bit of the kind of like details of epistles and stuff like that. So an epistle or a letter would, a lot of times they would have a very kind of specific, they would follow a form. 
Um, and specifically epistles would say, you know, you would have the writer was named, um, you'd have the recipient who they're writing to, you would have the greeting, they would give some kind of introductory Thanksgiving, and then they would just bam, right into the body. And so when they get to the body, that's the meat of what they're trying to talk about for, you know, whatever the occasion is when, you know, again, you talk about Galatians, um, they're talking about circumcision. Well, the, the, the occasion of circumcision and, and what needs to happen around circumcision is the kind of context that dictates what Galatians is, is really kind of interpreted around. So then when you talk about um, Galatians 5, and you get to 522 and the fruits of the spirit. Well, Paul has made this point all the way up through this that that you know, it's not the event, it's not the thing that that is the definition, it's Christ. Christ is the point. You go back to I think it's Galatians 2. Um is it Galatians 2? I'm crucified with Christ yet now I live. Yeah, yeah. So Galatians yeah, you got Galatians 2 where he's he's pointing to the cross and then you get over to 5 and he's He's saying that now the fruits of the spirit, if you are in Christ, if you have been crucified with Christ, you are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, you're all of these things. And, and Paul is making that point. So that's, that's like the body of what the, the point of that the author is making. And, and uh, you know, you talk about, let's give the example of first Corinthians Um, in first Corinthians. He's, he's giving instructions to the church. A lot of it, uh, I don't know. Definitely, most of it is about worship, orders, order in worship, and and how the church is to conduct itself. Hmm. Um, specifically, you know, I'm thinking about twelve through fourteen. Uh, for sure, he's like hammering on it on on how churches should be ordering their worship, and and um, and then so you have this body, and then they close it out with with like a farewell, and and. In, in the time, again, go back to when the person would have read this, they would have recognized this pattern. They would have said, here's, you know, he's thankful for us. He's praying for us. He's introducing, do, doing the introduction. Um, I think that a lot of pastors today could probably take some example from the way that Bible uh, Bible people wrote books of the Bible and shorten their introductions a little bit. But, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a different topic for a different day. But, uh, but. When you when you talk about the the form they followed, the people would have recognized this form, and they would have known what the point is that the that the author is trying to make. And so, in order for us as twenty first century Christians to understand, we need to recognize those divisions, I guess, or, or those kind of breaks, so that we can see the point that the author is trying to make, so that we can get ourselves into the context of what the author is writing about. Right. You know, and when we do that, that's how we can have that better understanding of the body of what they're writing so that we can say, you know, I know what Paul is saying here in Galatians. I I know he's writing to the church in Galatia and he's thankful for them because of these reasons. And then he goes in, you know, he talks about this. He's talking about the Judaizers and how they're focusing on circumcision. And they're saying that circumcision needs to be added to you know, Christ and it's Christ plus this, and that's not the point. And, and so the overarching point of Galatians is about circumcision and is about legalism and, and being a Judaizer, but you understand that and you bring that in the context of today and say, okay, what are people adding to the gospel? Hmm. You know, if it was, if it was the Judaizers back then that were adding circumcision, what are people adding to the gospel today? You know, uh, I could say that the Catholics are adding, you know, works plus faith. They're saying it's faith plus works. The um, the Pentecostals are saying you have to speak in tongues. The, um, you know, you you pick a really pick a denomination a lot of times, and 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 I think this is one thing that the Baptists have actually gotten really right when they say, nope, we ain't adding nothing. We ain't talking about anything other than faith in, in Jesus because it's faith alone. Um, the Presbyterians do a pretty good job too. <laughs> interesting thing about both right but the baptists uh if if there's any temptation to not consider somebody a full christian it would be over the issue of immersion you know uh it's not just i'm not going to call them a christian but i'm still gonna want their you know they still haven't followed through completely 
in obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe that, but um, but I think among Baptists, that's one thing. It's it, it's not on the line if they're not Christian. It's not like church right. parts with baptism, you know. Right. Um, but I think we all have these things where we're kind of it, you still have like um, classes almost of <laughs> of Christians, you know. Yeah. Like uh, they're in a different class because they're not doctrinally they're not where I am. They're not solid. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I can't right. really fellowship with them, or um, I don't want to be seen with them, or known that I associate with such people. Yeah, uh, don't say it out loud, but that's <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have yeah. I have actually heard um, pastors get up and teach that if if a if somebody comes from a denomination where they sprinkle instead of dunk that they would expect that person if they join their church they would expect that person to be immersed mm. not just mm. sprinkled and and you know i i guess i guess i get the sentiment because you're saying you want to be affiliated or you want to be associated as a baptist but yeah. you know if that person did immersion now if they were sprinkled as a as an infant and they didn't understand i i can understand that argument yeah you know but if they were an adult and they were baptized as an adult and they were sprinkled and they understood what baptism stood for and they understood the precedent behind baptism, that it's a, you know, you're identifying yourself with Christ through the act of baptism. And you're saying that it's the, it's Christ's death, burial and resurrection. If you're, whether you're sprinkled dunked or, you know, dunked, dunked in a pool or dunked in a river, it doesn't matter. You have still gone through the act. And I, if you understand what baptism is, I don't, you know, again, I don't think it matters if you're sprinkled or dunked. In fact, I go back to, uh, we've talked about Dale Yance. I go back to Dale Yance and he said, you know, there are times in, in Greek where baptizo means, you know, a sprinkling of water. And there are times when it means it full immersion. Right. He says, now I think there's more times that it means full immersion. And so I tend, and this is what he always said. He said, I tend toward an immersive side because I think more times than not, you can legitimately translate it immersion than you can sprinkle. But there are instances where it does not mean full immersion. Right. And so, and he, and Jan's also stressed that it can mean essentially means identification with Christ, yeah, exactly. not necessarily submerged. Um, and so like Romans six has this idea of identification, uh, not just a literal, uh, immersion, but, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I think that's true as well. But again, I'm not, I'm not a Greek scholar, but you know, <laughs> but also don't have to be a scientist to identify, you know, that's uh, right. The bird outside my window. Um, <laughs> uh, so Yance did, and I appreciate that about Yance. I think yeah. that he was, um, you saw grace and kind of how he treated, not always, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he could tear somebody apart. Uh, but, uh, ever, ever well, well, the revelation, he, he, for example, he would tear you apart and be nice about it and make you be like, I'm so sorry that you had to do that to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that, but I, I was thankful for that. That he, um, I don't know, man. I just think there was a, an honesty to that. He was mm-hmm. just trying to buttress a position. He was willing yeah. to admit that. Yeah. Well, um, and and it, I mean, I think it it goes to our point that we've really kind of been making this whole night, which is if if it's not one hundred percent clearly defined in scripture, then you don't one hundred percent need to say that it's it's rock solid or or it's the rule. Yeah. Um, you know, what we do know is that you hold to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You hold that Christ is one with God. One, Christ is God. You know, there are certain things that are specifically taught in Scripture. But then there's other things that don't matter. And, and we've talked about it on this on this podcast about the, the what we call theological triage, or actually Al Mohler calls it that, theological triage. The things that are important, you make important. The things that are not important, you don't have to make them important. You don't have to label people heretics. You don't have to... You know, if you disagree with infant baptism, don't go to a Presbyterian church. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a Lutheran church for that matter, you know. Um, but but that doesn't mean that Presbyterians and Lutherans are, you know, have a have a relegated section of heaven where, oh, that's where the that's where the people who baptize babies go. They're down there in the valley. We're yeah. up here on the mountaintop because we're Baptists. Right. <laughs> Man. 
I think that, that the the simple axiom, you know, in all things, I'm sorry, in, in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty and all mm-hmm. things, charity. It's a, that's it's right. helpful. That's, that's what the triage is all about. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, we've got the form and, we, and we've talked a little bit about the, the context and literary context of the epistles. Um, just real quickly, let's hit on like the hermeneutics of the epistles, because we've, we've definitely batted around it. Um, we, we've definitely been on the bush, um, but I love this quote and I, and I wrote it down just so I could remember it. Uh, when, when Fee and Stuart were talking about this, it says, without necessarily intending to, we bring our theological heritage, our church traditions, our cultural norms, or our existential concerns to the epistles as we read them. And I thought that was such a wise statement because it's exactly what we have been talking about. Um, so many times we we translate the Bible through the lens of what we were raised in. And, and I think it's important for Christians to understand that that there are different lenses. There's different shades of lenses. And, and it's, it's not, this is, I'm not making a case for multiple roads to God. Do do not hear that. But what I am saying is that there are things that we can differ on and we don't have to hold fast to those things. And we can put our hermeneutic and we can say, this is what I believe, but it's not the gospel. What I believe is not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. Christ is the one who defines the gospel. His death, burial, and resurrection is what reconciles man to God. And everything past that, we can just have family discussions on. And so I think when we when we talk about bringing our hermeneutic to interpreting specifically letters, epistles, um, and as we're about to get to revelation, um, we we need to be careful. We need to know the difference between interpretation and application. And if you were in a Dale Yance hermeneutics class, you got hammered into your brain over and over and over again, that there is one interpretation, even if there's multiple applications, a text means one thing, and it's your job to exegete the meaning of that text and understand the meaning of that text. And a lot of times as when, when I, when I think about bringing our preconceptions or what we have been raised, we bring that into it and say, this is, this is what that text means because of the way I was raised instead of saying, what does the text mean and how does that compare to the way I was raised? Yeah. You know? And so I, 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 if there's one, like, if you haven't heard anything else on this podcast, <laughs> then then I want you to hear that. Please, the the main thing of, of context and what, what we have preached on here, and I know Brian would agree with this, is understand the meaning of the text first, which is why we say, read the text, read it over and over and over again, understand it, understand the history of it, understand who wrote it, understand why they wrote it, understand who they wrote it to, get all of this information in your brain and learn it first and then start to apply it. You know, as we talked about the, the observation interpretation application thing a a couple of weeks ago, and I can't help but, but think about that because when Yance would have us write down observations, you know, it'd be, we'd write 50 observations and then we had to come up with 50 more that were different from the original 50. And, and all of that was geared towards helping us look at and understand the text that we were reading and know the text that we were reading backwards and forwards so that we could interpret it correctly. Mm. Yeah. And that, so. uh, that got old when you're uh, looking at Acts 1-8, you know, like you get sick of writing stuff about Acts 1-8. <laughs> and then you, you kind of realize, well, I can't really understand this without reading the context. Yeah. Context. So, um, read your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember the Howard Hendricks exercise on Acts one eight. It's the first exercise in that book, in that curriculum. Um, but man, you 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 observe the mess out of that mm-hmm. verse. But then you get to interpretation, and okay, well, what does this mean? You need you have to consider the context. And um, but I think also just along this line, you get help. You know, you that's why yeah. we have secondary resources that are very helpful, um, particularly with 
books like Revelation, but with some things within the letters that are just hard to understand. Now, granted, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, commentaries they're writing for other commentators. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of technical murkiness, um, and so drawing application. If you're looking for application in a lot of those commentaries, you're just not going to find it. Um, they're not going to do that work for you. Like that's your job. You know. Yeah. Um, my job is to give you background, study the text, and to, right. exegete, to exegete, basically. Exegete. That's right. Um, it's your job to interpret, apply. Um, yes. And that is a that is a hard task. But, again, the, doing the groundwork of observation and then understanding what is it saying, what does it mean, and then working really hard, making sure. Because that's the thing about the letters, right? It's that it can't mean something now it didn't mean then. Yeah. You know? um, and... So if I've done as much work as I can on understanding what it meant to them mm-hmm. and what it means, essentially, what are the principles I draw from that, then in my own context, well, what do I have in common that would apply in the same way? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's honestly, that takes a lot of work uh, mm-hmm. in sermon preparation. Um, that part of the sermon, I always found the most, uh, to get into the weeds about texts and about history. Honestly, you could, just compile stuff and, and wax eloquent and, yeah. and do that. But the application part, um, and I think it's so cool. Like every week I know that, um, and, and Jack, I don't know as well as Neil, I spend a lot more time with Neil, but talking through Neil's sermons, I know that Neil works um, hard and Jack does too. And I see this in his preaching, like they work so hard at the application part yeah, because they know it's not just about giving you information. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything unless you know what to do with it. And uh, I also see Neil, man, just stress over, you know, how do I bring this home to Mm -hmm. people? I love that, you know, that they rest with, because it's the hardest part. I think it is. It's a place where you can go really wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny though. One of the things that I appreciate about Neil speaking, speaking on Neil is that he, he not only applies the text, but he really does a an excellent job week in and week out of applying the text and tying it to the gospel. Yeah. How does this ap- apply to our lives and how do we how do we better understand the gospel because of this application? Yeah. Um and and you know if if you're if you're a teacher, a preacher, um man, I would encourage you, I would exhort you to strive to do that. Get your application from your text and and that's great. But tie that application to the gospel, figure out a way, you know, learn, study so that you can tie that to the gospel, because the more times you point your people to the gospel, the better they're going to understand it, the better they understand it, the more they're going to talk about it with their coworkers, their friends, their neighbors. And you're going to have a community of people who are it's it's not about like knocking on doors and, and witnessing as much as it is about living the gospel to the people who are around you. And being that that gospel example to people who are around you, yeah. And so, yeah, amen to that. Well, we are down to the final book of the Bible. We are at Revelation. We have covered the entire Bible. Uh, in four- I'm out. <laughs> this will be like four weeks uh, total, is what it'll be. Um, but but man, Revelation is just Revelation is crazy. And Brian, you weren't here at Mars Hill when we went through the book of Revelation. And dude, it was, it's crazy. Like, I, I, I don't know how the church maintained because we, I mean, it was like, you'd get a visitor and you're like, all right, today we're going to be talking about um, the whore Jezebel. And you're like, what? <laughs> 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 oh man, it was fun. It was fun times. But um Man, the the book of Revelation, you know, it's it's funny because I always remember when we started it. Jack pointed this out. He said, he said the book of Revelation is actually the only book of the Bible that has a blessing pronounced to the people who study it at the very beginning of the book. And I mean, you could make the argument that's probably you know you could apply that to all of Scripture. It's the last book, and you could apply that to all Scripture. Um, might be might be slightly allegorizing there, but. It, it was really interesting to, to know that, you know, the people who actually sit down and study this book is there, there's a blessing for them. And, and the, I think the blessing is you, you get to study revelation. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. 
but but it's it's so different from everything else. It's John and he's exiled and he's having a vision and there's lampstands and there's churches and there's you know all of this stuff that happens and we try to literal make revelation literal we try to make meta revelation metaphorical it's really neither one of those it's kind of this in between thing um and and you know i i think if if i could say one thing about the book of revelation is i would say don't take the book of revelation too seriously um maybe that's because i'm an amillennialist and <laughs> and i don't take anything seriously <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like, so Zondervan, an academic on their blog, had this seven tips for reading Revelation that they published years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found those seven things the most helpful guidance on reading Revelation. And they're, they give a survey of each kind of major um, eschatological view, mm-hmm. right? Um but the first one, I know that this, and we use this with the original teaching curriculum, was read Revelation with humility. Yeah. Um, however you read it, however you interpret it, um, read it with humility. And one thing that puzzled me was if this was written to encourage believers, which it states in the first <laughs> chapter, how does our, like, interpreting it the way that we do, like that we know the Antichrist is going to be this person or that the world, you know, 88 reasons the world's going to end in 1988. <laughs> that was a real, that was a real book. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, and uh, so how does interpreting it that way, how is that any comfort to mm-hmm. a first century persecuted Christian? Um, and y'all throughout the book, you, you really get the sense Jesus is coming soon, mm-hmm. um, but you also get a sense that he, you hear explicitly he's the first and the last he's the alpha and the omega mm-hmm. um and uh, and then four you get this image of the throne room and so after the letters to the seven churches you get this why is the throne room suddenly thrown in yeah um and why is everything seem to revolve i mean i think it's a very clear statement about you know the centrality of who's the center of our worship mm-hmm. um and it's a call back to that to, to, to the worship. And I think there are things like that. If you read with humility, if you read, trying to understand it like a first century persecuted Christian, some of those things stand out a little bit more than, you know, trying to look in every nook and cranny for uh, how, you know, global economy is going to come about and, you know, uh, how the antichrist is going to be identified. And um, I don't know, man, like it's, it, I, I'm so beyond the, those circles now i'm outside of that i don't even Lucky. remember how weird it was <laughs> I, um, I still get emails about do you think this person might be the antichrist my yeah. I, I have a generic response when somebody tells me they believe a person is the antichrist i always go okay um have they been murdered and almost and died and then like come back to life and they're like, well, no. I'm like, okay, fine. I, I don't they got really it. sick once. <laughs> they had COVID. They and then they recovered. <laughs> oh, man. COVID is going to bring out the Antichrist. That's amazing. You heard it here first on the Beers of Bible podcast. COVID is bringing right. out the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, I mean, I, I honestly, like, we could go months and months and months talking about revelation, but we're not, um, you know, I really just kind of wanted to hit on it as the, as the end, um, because there's so much, there's so much speculation surrounding the book of revelation and, and we could get into details about preterism and futurism and, and realism and, and all of that stuff. And it's, it's not worth diving into on this one, but just to say, read the book of revelation try to understand the book of revelation you may not and that's okay that's you you know you're not a you're not a bad christian if you don't understand the book of revelation i'll just i'll go ahead and throw that out there (laughs) (laughs) um but you know i i I always think back to and i've said it on here i think i said it the the first week that you and i recorded dale yant said it best if you want to understand revelation then understand the 65 books that were before it Mm. because all of those books are pointing to the culmination and, and really realistically, I mean, this may be oversimplifying it, but, but to me, revelation is simply the culmination of Genesis. 
Genesis is the creation. Genesis is the beginning of, of everything, and it introduces us to the fall, the destruction of the world that we know, the destruction of Eden. And then we read from Genesis chapter 3 on all the way into the end of Revelation chapter 20, and then into 21 and 22, where you see the new heavens and the new earth, the restoration of what God originally intended. And so, if anything, Genesis is just the opposite. It's the flip of, of or I'm sorry, Revelation is just the flip of Genesis. Yeah. If, if Genesis is about the beginning of the, of the world and the fall of mankind, then Revelation is about the restoration of mankind to God and the restoration of the world back to its original state, the way God created it. Yeah. And, Which there are and, echoes of that already in Isaiah. You read the yeah. end of Isaiah, and you've got clear language paralleling what goes on it's almost like it's the echo uh and the revelation is the, mm-hmm. the actual sound you know yeah and it echoes in isaiah echoes back backwards through scripture um but it, to see the parallels with the exodus you know um yeah and uh but to see the yes you're right like to to understand that um helps you understand that book so to understand it by itself in isolation like mm-hmm. i remember one dude in high school i mean middle school He's just has the only book of the Bible he already read. And I remember reading at the time thinking, this terrifies me. Uh, yeah. This is like, this is like, um, you know, just re- watching a film about nuclear war, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, what was it, the morning after? Was that the book, that the movie in the 80s? I got everybody terrified about nuclear holocaust. Um, you get scared because I don't understand when's this going to happen? Is this going to mm-hmm. happen to me? You know, uh, am I going to be left behind and, and those kinds of things? And um, that's not, those aren't the obvious points to be drawn mm-hmm. out if you look at the rest of the Bible. You know, it yes. is it's the the consummation. You know, it's the marriage supper. It's just mm-hmm. it's, those things kind of um, we can miss those very easily if we're just so locked into a single interpretive grid. Yeah, um, uh, which which we can one any one of those millennial views or tribulation views. Um, if we get too locked into that, we can miss the obvious about the book. I yep. think. Yep. So let's, uh, let's wrap up our discussion and let's just give a a little bit of kind of common stuff, common things that everybody can do. Um, when we have talked for the last three or four weeks now about how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible, we've used big words like hermeneutics. Um, and for, for, Normal, everyday people who are not pastors, who are not Bible scholars, who are not, um, they don't get to go to seminary. Um, how can these individuals, how can these lay people better study the Bible? What are some tools that they can use to help them study the Bible? Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, Michael, you're about to say something, and I'm going to cut you off. No. Okay. <laughs> I saw you moving. I was like, I feel like I've t- talked a lot. Um, no, you're good. Okay. I think, I mean, I think that there's nothing. One thing that helped me really, uh, that helped me a lot was having a plan to read the Bible consistently and mm-hmm. to read it through, read it through in a year. I think, um, I think those plans are not, um, I think those are very helpful just to give you context it, and yeah. to have a plan to do that. And to read it in a, and then we talked about translations last time, but to find a translation that you can actually read and mm-hmm. understand. Um, and so if your denomination was so committed to King James, maybe it's time to venture out from mm-hmm. something else and that you really understand in your own, in your own mother tongue. And so, that, I mean, that, so reading it through and getting a feel for it, I think there are tools that like uh, Graham Goldsworthy's book, um, According to Plan, uh, is again just a biblical theology and introduction to give mm-hmm. you a bird's eye view of the story of the Bible. But as far as getting into a good study Bible, man, um, yeah, those like the ESV study Bible or the Zondervan NIV uh, study Bible that D.A. Carson um, edited it helped edit. I mean that that's a great study Bible, and the ESV is what I use the ESV study Bible. Yeah, um, that's a good starting place because there's so many tools in one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, 
But I think just getting into it and reading it and but reading it with other people. I mean, you're in groups, right? Like our MRs, our church has groups. They're studying books of the Bible together. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing is, is reading it with other people, but just reading it consistently, reading as much as you can in a sitting. Yeah. If you're starting out just so that you can get flow of the narrative or the, the flow of thought, the context. Um, and then, yeah. I mean, a good study Bible, basic commentaries. Yeah. Uh, there are basic commentaries I find more helpful than others. There is, there's actually a really good website um, that I've used in the past called bestcommentaries.com. Um, yeah, and good. it will, it will rank commentaries and it will kind of give you an overview of, I guess the point of that, of, of a specific comment, cause there are like, there are commentary series. And, and if you followed, um, us, the Beers and Bible for a while, you know that we have used uh, what's called the Christ-centered exposition commentaries whenever we walk through a specific book. And and the reason we chose that that specific series was because it was very, um, I guess it was very applicable. It was very layperson oriented. Um, and, and so it was a really good series to get everybody involved in. It, it's, it's a great one. And so, but you can you can get if i mean by all means if you're interested in original languages and technical arguments about you know the literary structure of the third aorist verbs in paul's letter to the corinthians then by all means there are commentaries that will give you that information yeah um, like like the word the word biblical commentary they get yeah. very technical exegetical um, for the New Testament, you know, the, the New International Greek Testament commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really good, especially I mean, for Revelation. A great commentary to read uh, if you're in the, on the technical side is uh, to read uh, G.K. Beale's commentary, which is mm-hmm. excellent. It's thorough. It's rich. Um, Doug Webster has a really good pastoral commentary on, um, on Revelation. Uh, the Tyndall series are great for their size. Yeah. They, they give you good background. They don't focus on application. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a person that, well, you have questions and wondering why does it say it like this, it just gives really good, uh, concise commentary that is, yeah. and it's pretty, it's pretty rich and, mm-hmm. and helpful. Uh, like uh, Maltier's uh, commentary on Isaiah in the Tyndall series is just mm-hmm. good grief for, <laughs> for a commentary of that size and all that he packs into that. It's just, it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, Kid, Kidner's commentary on Psalms. That's it, a great series. Tyndall, uh, Old Testament, New Testament commentaries. I highly yeah. recommend them for, book for book. If you're studying, yeah, you know Luke or something or um, a, a letter, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend taking one yeah. of those and reading alongside it. So, along with a commentary, um, I think one more thing that that I would recommend is pick up a good Bible dictionary. Yes. Um, because you're going to read and when you get into commentaries, you're going to read words that you're like, I don't know what that is. And, and it's good to have a dictionary on hand so that you can look it up, get a basic understanding of what it is that you're reading. It'll help you understand when people start talking about um, superlapsarianism or infralapsarianism. You're like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that will be a good thing that, that a dictionary will help you understand um, theological language, uh, I guess you, you know, it's, we, as, as theology nerds, uh, we like to use big words that a lot of people don't use. And we like to sound like we're smarter than we actually are. Um, Word. most of the time at least. And so a, a good Bible dictionary gets you, uh, another thing, if you're st- most study Bibles have them, but just in case it doesn't get a concordance to go along with whatever translation of the Bible that you're reading. Um, you know, they make concordances that are specific to translations. Um, and so, you know, I've one that I've used in the past is I've used Strong's NASB, which is New American Standard Bible. Uh, I've used that concordance and I'll use it when I'm reading specifically from the NASB because I want to know how many times the word love appears in the New Testament. Um, this specific translation, you know, the the agape version of love. And, yeah. and so Strong's is going to give you that information and, and a good concordance will give you that information. And the Strong's is coded with the grave and here yep. with, yeah, with number, they number the, 
the actual reference of the Hebrew right. Greek words. So, yeah, like you're saying, you can see that. Yeah. What what word is actually used, and what what difference does that really make? Yeah. You, know? you don't have to be a foreign language or biblical language scholar to be able right. to use a concordance. A lot of times, it will help you, and and realistically, I mean, it will help you realize that there are different words for different things that, you know, again, the word love is a prime example. There's in Greek, there's uh, agape, there's phileo, there's eros, there's, there's three different words that all mean different things, but we just say the word love. Yeah. And so, you know, what kind of love are we talking about here in, in this situation? So um, all of those tools can be used to help you study the Bible. We're not saying that any of them replace scripture. Uh, I, I do want to be very clear about that. None of these these tools replace scripture. All of these are supplements to help you read and understand scripture better. Um, because the more you read, the more you understand scripture, the better prepared you're going to be really to do what what First uh, Peter 3.15 says, which is you're prepared to give a defense for the faith, for the hope that is within you. And, and ultimately that is, that is, our goal as Christians is to be able to, to talk about Christ openly with, with the people that we're around. And I mean, we, we call it apologetics a lot of times, but I, I mean, I really think everyone's a called is called to do apologetics. It may not be arguing and debating uh, atheists or scientists or something like that, or, or other people from other religions, but doing apologetics could mean talking to your neighbor about the hope that is within you. Yeah. And so uh, all of that stems from a deep understanding and, and a knowledge of, of scripture. So, yeah. And, and I would say on that, just to add to don't, don't run to the commentaries. Yes. Um, but a, like if I'm reading a new Testament letter and I have a Bible dictionary, if I'm reading Philippians and I read an article in the Bible dictionary about Philippi um, mm-hmm. is it's immensely helpful. If I can get some background about the city or Corinth, you know, That's to find right. out about, the melting pot of cultures between um, Jews and Gentiles and what mm-hmm. kind of, you know, socioeconomic class. Bruce Winter uh, gave a lecture one time on that, on just understanding Corinth better. Yeah. And what the ideal Corinthian man was like. Um, and that was, it was funny, but it's helpful. Um, and so things like that, like the Bible dictionary can be really helpful, mm-hmm. but don't, you know, we don't run to those resources. We want to do as much work as we can with our Bible open. Yeah. And think and pray. We're always coming with an attitude of this is for the purpose of knowing God better. Yeah. And um and knowing him and loving him and so that we might make him known to others. And if we lose sight of that and we get in the weeds about everything technical and theological, which we can easily do. Oh yeah. We we miss the whole purpose and that's to know him. That's eternal life. And that's why we have Bibles. God revealed himself so we might know it. Mm-hmm. Um and when we sit down with our Bibles, we have the living God who is helping us, inviting us into his presence to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got to stay there before running to, you know, ask Pastor John at DesiringGod.org um, <laughs> or, you know, Matthew Henry or you know, or any of the, the, the celebrities mm-hmm. sit and with the Lord, with your Bible. Do that work first and you know, do the hard yeah. work first. And, then those helps exist. Go to those helps. Um, definitely, they're they're great. Yeah. But read your Bible. Read your Bible. <laughs> well, man, that is uh, that's some that's some good discussion right there. And and I wanted to thank Brian for for being on with us here the last few weeks. Yep. Um, thank you for having me. Helping us set up this uh, this this discussion that Michael and I are going to continue. Um, and you know, we're going to start right after, after this airs, we're going to start right in with Genesis and we're going to walk all the way through scripture, one book at a time. Um, and so we wanted to take a little bit of time to, instead of just kind of diving right in, we wanted to take a little bit of time to set up what it means to read the Bible, what it means to, um, understand the Bible in ways that we can all do it better. So... With that, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a night. All right, and we will say, what do we say? I forgot what I said. It's been so long. <laughs> it's Miller time. <laughs> it's Miller time. <laughs> I don't think we. Can, I don't think we can say that. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: this is the first time that I have gone 
for almost two hours and I have not finished a beer. That must I'm, be a disgusting beer. It's it's like it keeps. Are you getting, sure it was three Luthers? I'm I'm contemplate. I may go back and retrograde this one down to two point five because it's <laughs> this thing is not good. Yeah, it's still not good. So I may I may be moving that to two point five. You might need a new category and just call uh, it call it bull pizzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we want to thank you for joining us, um, and we hope you'll come back next week uh, as we dive into the book of Genesis. Uh, we will do that next week. But until next week, I want your beer to stay cold and your Bible to stay open, and we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>